0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at (laughs) redeemerlondon.org. Fantastic. It's great to be able to come and preach. I'm so excited about this morning. What I'd like to say to you is what could happen to you this year? What are you genuinely hungry for? If I had to ask you at the start of 2017... What is it that's inside of you? Sir Andy Murray, Sir Andy Murray says this, I used to think that losing made you more hungry and determined, but after my success at the Olympics and the US Open, I realized that winning is the biggest motivation. Here he is saying, well, actually, when I've started to win something, it's just put me a hunger to, to keep going. Now, I, I know he lost to Djokovic this week, but hopefully 2017 will be a good year for him. Dwayne Johnson, some of you will know, the actor, the producer, the singer, the wrestler, says this, I'm always asked, what's the secret to success? There are no secrets. Be humble, be hungry, and always be the hardest worker in the room. And here is him saying, actually, what I've got to do is, I'm, and, and he's just working it out on this gym. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I want to go for it. Steve Jobs. The American businessman, inventor and designer says this, stay hungry, stay foolish. So often, people like that, they get successful and then it's almost like it it plateaus. But he said, no, no, actually you've got to stay hungry. Steven Spielberg, the American director, producer and screenwriter says this, even though I get older, what I do never gets old." And that's what I think keeps me hungry. Despite age, despite having done several things before, he thought, I'm still hungry to keep going. I want to ask you, what are you hungry for at the start of 2017? We're going to read in here, in the Bible, about David. King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, I'm just going to read two verses. It says this, after the king was settled in his... Is this all right? Do I need to use another mic? It's okay. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a palace of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Funny verses you could say. Why on earth am I reading about that at the beginning of this year? Well, the, the reality was that David was now established as king. But actually, there was a hunger inside of him. What had happened in 2 Samuel chapter 6? Well, I haven't got time to read it to you now, but basically, some of you know the story. David brought the ark, which signified the presence of God, into Jerusalem. He was so excited that every one, two, three, four, five, six steps, they sacrificed. I mean, it was phenomenal. And there'd be somebody counting, one, two, three, four, five, six, sacrifice. One, I mean, he was just delighting in God. It was huge. There was a huge crowd. It says all the able young men were there. There was massive noise. There was castanets, hearts, symbols. There was costly devotion, sacrificing these animals. There was pulsating energy. It says that David danced so much. You know, literally, he was taking his clothes off because he was just dancing for joy. There was generous giving. He gave a loaf of bread, cake of dates, and cake of raisins to every single person. And so suddenly he brings this ark in and he establishes it in Jerusalem. And then he sits down upon his throne. But actually, in his heart, there's still hunger. And what I would like to bring the challenge to us is, the danger often is, I think success can stop us being hungry. David has probably had one of his most successful days, most successful seasons ever. But he was still hungry to see something happen. We have got so much to thank God for as a church. I love it when I get to the end of a year. I think Abby and what's done with the little fish, incredible. I love it, what's going on with all the kids upstairs. This church will be four years old at the end of this month. And when we started, we had one child between the age of, I think it was naught and 11. One. We used to send two adults out with that one child. It's like bodyguards, you know what I'm saying? Child protection, but trying to make sure it was a fun event for them. Now I think we've got four different rooms going on out there. Thank you, God. You know what I'm saying? We start a, a little fish. Isn't it incredible. Families came the last time we were here. Thank you, God. Taken on members of staff last year. Thank you, God. Oh, suddenly got some office space. Thank you, God. Having to put out extra rows on a Sunday. Thank you, God. People involved in the food bank and the community. Thank you, God. More small groups than we've ever had. Thank you, God. Now, what I want to say is, have we still got a hunger? Have we still got a hunger that says, come on, I'm here. David had this hunger, even on the back of some success. What was David hungry for? I would like to suggest three things. David was hungry to fulfill his call. David was hungry to fulfill his call. Why do I say that? Well, we know that Moses had spoken to the people. It's recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. And basically, he says this in Deuteronomy 12. When you cross into the Jordan and you settle in the land, the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, then he will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you can live in safety. Then, to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, there you are to bring everything I command you. Your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes, your special offerings. It's almost like Moses was saying that God's going to bring you into this land, and this land will be yours. And when you get there, you're to establish this this place for God's praise. That's the call of God upon your life. And so what David does is he realizes, well, I'm now the king. I've now had this. In fact, in the book of Samuel, we don't have a coronation. We just have celebration that the presence of God has arrived. But he sat there upon this throne, And he's saying, wow, God, now what's the call of God upon? Oh, it's to see this house built. He was hungry to do this. David is settled. There's a time of peace. And he's hungry to fulfill his call. What I want to say to you is, are you hungry to fulfill the call of God upon your life? And you might say, well, Pete, what is the call of God upon my life? But I think all of us, if we are Christians here, I'm going to talk a little bit about it this morning. What is the call of God upon your life? I think it is to see God's glory established on the earth. You see, David was hungry to give God the glory. As I said, in the book of Samuel, there is no coronation. And in fact, in the book of Samuel, there is only one verse that talks about David's palace. And you can read about it in 2 Samuel 5, verse 11. It just says, The king of Tyre sent envoys to David along with cedar logs and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a palace for David. Now, we, we think it took years, six or seven years, but the book is not interested in that. The book is interested in the glory of God coming. Actually, what we know, what really matters is David thought, I want to give God praise. I want to give God glory. I want to give God the best. You can read about it in 1 Chronicles 16. These verses will come up. David was saying, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known, his, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. David was a worshipper as a shepherd boy, and now he was worshipping as the king. And what he thought is, look, I am hungry to give God glory. I'm hungry to establish this place that establishes God's glory on the earth. And David's hunger then led him to invest and inspire. I found it fascinating. David was not allowed to build the temple, if you don't know the story in the Old Testament. He he thought, I'd love to build this. God says, no, you can't build it. David didn't sulk. Oh, that's not fair. He said, hey, I'll tell you what I can do. I could save for it. God didn't say I couldn't raise the money for it. And so what David decides to do is he wants to give generously. He says, actually, whatever it costs, I'm happy to pay because I'd love to see God's glory come in this place. We know from 1 Chronicles that he buys the land that the temple is going to be built upon. In fact, what has happened is David has offended God because he's ended up counting all the army. And God says, don't count them. However big they are, it's nothing to do with you. It's all to do with me. But David says, oh, I'm going to count them anyway. And then God says, right, there's going to be trouble. And so basically, God is judging the people. Tens of thousands of the nation are dying. And so God, uh, you know, David says, oh, God, what can I do? I'm going to offer a sacrifice. So he goes to this place and he buys this guy's um, uh, threshing floor. And he says, I need to sacrifice to God here. And the guy says, have it, have it. People are dying. David says, no, no, I won't give to God something which costs me nothing. So he buys the place, offers the sacrifice, the judgment stops. We believe that's where the temple is later built. David thought, I'm going to buy this place. But he didn't just buy the land, he then saved up all the money. He made plans. You could read about them in 1 Chronicles 28. I haven't got time to look at it now. He resources the project. It says that he, he has a million, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone. He thought, man, I want to see God's glory come. Whatever it costs, I'm going to raise the money. Not only that, he inspires others to do the same. I don't know if you you like that. If you hang around some people, it, they're just infectious of what they're into. You know, they just start talking about it. You think, well, oh, if you hung around David, you 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 discovered he was infectious for the for this this temple. And it tells us in one Chronicles twenty nine, the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, gave willingly. So it's almost like, well, if David's doing it, I want to do it. I love that, don't you? There's just this sort of sense of, come on, let me get involved. Let me get involved. Despite David having this great occasion, he sits on his throne and he's hungry to build this temple for God's glory to come. What about you? Are you hungry in 2017 to build a place for God's glory to come? For Ealing? For London? Is is, is that one of your desires? I'll be honest, I find it challenging myself. I always have a journal, and in the beginning of the journal, I write, what what do you think are some of my goals for this year? My goal this year is to be an empty nester. All three kids, out. You know what I'm saying? What are some of my goals this year? You suddenly think, well, where could I be going on these kind of things? What's my goal? Do, Do I need to replace the bathroom this year? I know I've got a wedding coming up. My wife tells me I've got to get a new suit. I've got to lose an inch or two, you know. Well, what are my goals? Or are my goals, hey, what could I do to build a house so that God's glory could come and this place could be different? I would love us to look at this and think, hey. And so to me, the, the whole vision thing of when we gather at the start of the year, we say, oh God, what could you possibly do here and how could I be involved? What, what could you possibly do? I'll tell, I, I tell you one way I believe that you could, you could be involved. I think you can pray. I would encourage you to pray. Starting uh, next, next Sunday, we're going to be starting a week of prayer. I'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But I'm asking you, spend a week from the 16th to the 20th. Yeah, it's great. Get your phones out now. Get your diaries out now. 16th to the 20th. Why not pray? We are go- we're going to set up a- an email address, prayer at Redeemer London. If you want anything prayed for, you put it in there. We'll have a meeting and we'll pray around it. We're going to have a meeting every day for the five days of that week. I know for many that have signed up to the church, you should have had an email about it this week. If you've not had one, let me know and I will get you the email. Monday morning, we're going to be praying. No, sorry, Monday evening, we're going to be praying. Tuesday morning, we're going to be praying. Wednesday evening, we're going to be praying. Thursday lunchtime, we're going to be praying. Friday night, we're going to be praying. We're encouraging you as a church, if you can, fast lunchtimes that week. And say, oh, give myself to calling out to God. Give up some food, just so that you can take some time out to Pray. If you share a house with someone, if you've got a neighbor close by that's a Christian, think, why why couldn't I spend an hour praying with him? Maybe a colleague at work. We're encouraging people to take those five days to pray. Joyce Meyer, she's a Christian author and speaker, says this, if we are hungry enough for God, we will find a way into his presence. Now, please don't get me wrong, Jesus is the way. (laughs) But what she's saying is, will you make it a discipline? We should be so hungry for the presence of God that we absolutely will not go out of the house or tackle any kind of project until we've spent some time with him. I would encourage us, you know, I believe that God wants a house for his glory. Spend time with him. Isn't it wonderful? Even this morning he said, I want an overflow. Overflow. Three times is incredible, isn't it? How do we make sure that we spend time with him? What else could you be involved in building this house? Well, Edward said, more than I'm probably going to say, about giving. Yeah, we've got these new envelopes out. And actually, the thing is, we want to say to you, like David, why don't you invest in seeing the kingdom of God come? Francis of Assisi, who's a Roman Catholic friar and preacher, says this, for it is in giving that we receive. Ben Carson, he's an American Author and politician says, happiness doesn't result from what we get, but from what we give. We would say, if this is your home and you don't give regularly, start giving regularly. You can do all of that through the envelopes. Also, I'd like to say on this week, why don't you serve? Why don't you get involved, play your part? You could serve on a Sunday. We're always looking for people. Steve Page. Do you want to stand up? Steve coordinates all the setting up on a Sunday morning. He is a legend. You could serve on his team. He would love to have you join in. There we go. We ask you to serve once a month, week one, two, three or four. You could say, I could turn up. I could help you, Steve. Now, I know that there'll be many others that I could go around here and say, oh, actually, refreshment. Golly, what a spread they put on for us this week. Thank you, guys. Why don't you serve in that way? We're going we're to offer to pray for people. We offer to pray for people at the end of every meeting. Why don't you think, I'd love to get involved in that. Anna coordinates that. Why don't you say, I could get there. Mark and Abby, I know you're involved in coordinating. All the families rotors, All the kids out there and all the stuff to go, you could offer to serve there. I would love, if this is your home, for you to think, hey, I want to see something built here. I'll get involved. We would love to invite you to come and join that. It could be on a Sunday. It could be you're going to get involved in small groups. We've got loads. I'm so excited. Adam has done such a great job with the team of pulling those together. The literature will be here next week. You won't want to miss next Sunday. You find out the groups that are going on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ways of getting involved, growing reaching out, you will want to be here. That will be fantastic. Muhammad Ali, the boxer, said this, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on the earth. I thought it was quite an interesting take. Rick Warren, the American pastor, says, the only way you serve God is by serving others. And so I would like to say on this vision week, yeah, we want to see a house built. Why don't you get involved? Why don't you pray? Why don't you give? Why don't you serve? But actually, and I would love to have gone rah, 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 and let's get everyone on chairs and let's all get excited, but I felt there was another half of this house that I haven't seen before. And so many respects on the vision week, I'd love to have said, oh, that that is it. But actually, as I was looking at this passage, I feel that was David's view of the house, And now I'd quite like to look at God's view of the house. You see, what I love about this is David was hungry for something, but God was even hungrier. You see, God builds bigger than David could imagine. Why do I say that? Because actually, they reckon in the Hebrew, the word for house and dynasty is the same. And so actually what David said is, God, I want to build you this house. And God actually says, no, I want to build you a house. And we think, oh, what's going on here? Well, actually, if you read that whole chapter, it's almost God saying, I'm going to build a dynasty for you. This was miraculous. Because if you remember chapter six, when David danced, what happened? I'm sorry, ladies, you don't look good in chapter six. The guy was so passionate for God that the wife observed him and said, you fool. Why did you dance like that in front of everyone else? And there's a little line which says, so she bore no children. And so in the next chapter, there's this thing, oh, David's on the throne, but what's going to happen? And God turns up and says, I'm going to establish you a dynasty. Oh, but I thought we just heard that your wife cannot have kids. Oh, because God's view is so much bigger than David's. God was saying, I'm going to build you a house forever. Now, we know that David's ancestors sat on the throne for 400 years, and many would say, that is a really long time. But actually, we know that the whole of the Old Testament, they were saying, well, look, we are looking for this Messiah who's going to set us free. Well, when the Messiah turns up, We read about it in Matthew chapter 1, the first book of the New Testament. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of Abraham. Oh, wow. Actually, this is what your your house is going to be like. It's not just there's going to be some physical building. God is saying, I'm going to establish something, and I will establish it through my son forever. Whoa. Whoa. Here was David thinking, oh, I'm sacrificing because I'm building you a house. And here's God saying, no, actually, I love you so much, I'll send you my son. And so actually, there'll be a rain forever. That, whoa, God, you think so much bigger than I do. Who knows what you will do in 2017 for the kingdom of God that actually will reverberate through eternity? Because that's what you get out of a passage like this. David could have thought, oh, this is it. I've emptied my pockets. I've built this house. Whereas God's saying, no, I want you to be a part of the bigger dream, the bigger story that will go on forever and ever. I don't want you to walk out there and think, oh, golly, Pete asked me to fill in these brightly colored envelopes. I want you to go away and think, God, I'm part of this this kingdom story forever. I don't want you to go away and think, oh, golly, that's the third week of every month that I'm going to serve and set up. I want you to go away and think, wow. I'm involved in God's big picture forever. Because that's what you see here. David thought he was building a house. God says, I'm establishing a kingdom. And when you get involved and drawn into this big vision, that's what you can be a part of. I mean, whoa, what a privilege. I don't understand why you're still seated. I mean, I think we should be out. You should be at the front pulling at me saying, let me get involved right now. I'm excited by this. I'm excited because David's view was of this house that we're going to establish. God's view was actually of a foundation of blood. How do I say that? Well, the temple was the place where sacrifices took place. They were slaughtered as a symbol of making peace with God, of sins forgiven. I told you just that now that when David brought the land where they believed the temple was to be built, the first thing he did was put a sacrifice there and blood was shed so that the people would no longer be judged. If you know the Bible, you remember a long time ago, a guy called Abraham heard God say, sacrifice your one and only son. It's in Genesis 22, I think. So he gets up and he loads his son and I think he walks for three days and he goes to this place and he goes up and his son is carrying this wood and he's going up to make a sacrifice and and Abraham knows that God has told him to sacrifice his own son. When he gets to the top there and he literally builds the altar, he, he, he builds the wood and then he puts his son on there and he's about to kill his own son where God says stop and he kills a ram instead. Well they think that's the same place that David ended up buying, which is where the temple was. Oh, the foundation is blood. It wasn't Isaac, because Isaac was let go, the ram. It wasn't David's, because it was a. Well, actually, they think this is the same place, where years later, another man ended up walking and carrying the wood, the cross upon his back. Outside the city in this same area, and Jesus Christ died for us. He didn't escape, he gave his blood. Can you see that actually what God was saying is, I'm going to establish this and the foundation will be the blood of my son. I don't know this, so I'm a little nervous about saying this, but as I was praying through this this week, it came to me, Why didn't David build the temple? Well, if you read in Chronicles, David was not allowed to build the temple, and there was one reason that was given. What was the reason? He'd shed too much blood. And so my dwelling on this was David might have thought he'd done it because of his own accomplishments. And God says, no, 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 it's not about your blood, it's about mine. And our challenge is that we can go into 2017 and think, man, if if we really work hard behind Pete, we could do something here. But it's not about our accomplishments, it's about his. And isn't that what we've been hearing even this morning? The danger is that we go, rah, 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 2017, wow, great band, good looking, welcome team. No, no, it's not about us. It's not about what we shed, it's about what he shed. The foundation is not our blood, it's his. Jesus with his disciples in Matthew 26 said, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. There was a sense of Jesus died and the foundation is his blood, not ours. That's why we like taking the bread and the cup each Sunday because it reminds us again, oh, it's not about me. It's not, well, how well have I done? How much have I served? What have I given? No, no, Jesus, it is all because of my vision this year is you, not me. I believe that this is going to be a great house for God's glory. I believe that's the call of God upon us. I believe that we're here to make a difference in Ealing and London and beyond. But ultimately, my vision is you poured out your blood. And that's where I want to go. The final thing I want to say, just in this little vision thing, I've looked at David's hunger, but actually I'm looking at God's eyes. I believe this. God was not interested in the building. He was interested in the events. So if you read about the tabernacle, God gives lots of details. But when you suddenly get to the temple in Samuel, he doesn't give any. But what he does describe is what goes on there. You see, God is not interested in this great structure. I believe that actually he's interested in the events inside. I believe that David understood something, or was given revelation, that actually, and and we know it elsewhere, don't we? So the Bible does confirm this one. Nowhere can contain God. But where does he want to dwell? He wants to dwell in people's hearts. It says in Acts 7, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. But we also read in Ephesians, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And I think there was almost an understanding right here at the beginning. What what do we know about David? We know that his heart was after God's. And so actually, even in this whole thing, I don't want to get so excited about a structure that we forget that actually it's about our hearts and God filling our hearts. What would our vision really be for 2017? Well, I mean, we've had these words already. God wants to come and fill our hearts. God wants to overflow in our hearts. What would I love you to go into the year thinking? I think. Well, yeah, I think I am asking for blood and sweat. Because that's what David gave, and that's our call. But if that's our vision, I wonder if we've missed something. And actually the real vision is, it's to be a place where he dwells. He wants to dwell in you day in, day out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, tomorrow, he wants to dwell with you. Are we hungry to fulfill the call of God? Are we hungry to bring God glory? Are we hungry to invest and inspire in seeing the house built? But are we also hungry to believe God for bigger, to depend upon the cross, and to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because to me, that's where I'd love us to go. Phil Moore, I'd like to say he's a friend. Yeah, he's a friend. He's an author and he's a pastor of a church in London. He wrote a commentary on Samuel. I looked at it. He says this, David was too hungry for God's glory to take no for an answer. And in many respects, I think that's what I would love us to be as we went into 2017. It's almost like, oh God, we're so hungry for you. We're not going to take no for an answer. Now, I don't know what that is. I don't know whether that's a healing you're praying for. I don't know if that's a friend that you want to invite along to the Bake Off event. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is, but what I want to say is, God, we're so hungry for you, we don't take no for an answer. Come on, let's do it. I know the band are going to come back and lead us, but why wouldn't we just take a moment to pause and to reflect Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. What are you hungry for in 2017? If I introduce you on the 1st of January next year, like I did Keith at the start, what would you like to say? God, that was it. Didn't matter. I'd I'd done that for 50 years. God, this was the year. Father, we do want to say we are hungry for more of you. We are hungry to pursue the call of God upon our lives. We're hungry to see your glory come. And we're totally dependent upon your blood and what you've done for us. Father, we want to give you our 2017 Forgive us when we get caught up in our own comfort, our own little dreams or desires. I pray that we get caught up in your big plans and your purposes. I pray as we go into this year that you, you'd call us out of the temple and lead us into the eternal. I pray that you rescue us from just going through the mundane and the routine and lift us into relationship with you. I pray that the weaker prayer transforms us inside. We just think, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I'm going to call out to God. I'm going to pray. This year would just explode. Father, we thank you. It's not about us and how good we can be. But it's about how big you are and how grand you are. And you catch us up in your plans and your purposes. So we want to thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.